to the DC Tweet Team Podcast, hosted by Andy Burroughs. You know what I mean? Maurice Hawkins. Some people call me Maurice. And Shelly Jordan. Here's the deal, I'm the best there is. And here's your host, Andy Burroughs. Welcome everybody to the DC Tweet Team Podcast. I, as always... I'm your host, Andy Burrows, and as always, I am joined by my two amazing co-hosts, Maurice Hawkins and Shelley Jordan. Maurice, happy Monday to you, sir. Happy Monday, Andy and Shelley. Shelley, uh, happy Monday to you. I'm glad to have my two uh, wing men and women back by my side. How are you, Shelley? I'm doing great. Happy to be with you and Maurice, as always. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you have you two uh, back on the on the podcast today, um, guys. We wanted to do something a little different today. So, you know, we're we're talking off season all the time, and you know, we just, I thought we'd mix it up a little bit today. So I put a little questionnaire out to uh, to the guys and girls of uh, Twitter and Facebook Washington World. Uh, the top five likes and dislikes of the National Football League. Um, Loads of people got in uh, in contact with me, so I thought we would jump straight into them and get your guys' opinions uh, just on a few matters that they put uh, um, to me this morning slash this afternoon. Um, Maurice, Chris J uh, said to us, one of his biggest dislikes was the uh, the lack of diversity in ownership in the NFL. What would you say? Would you say the NFL is getting a little? The Washington are leading the way in that. What would you? What would your opinions be? Me and you have spoke about this quite a few months ago now, when Jason Wright was first appointed. Um, is it's a still a very important issue out within the NFL and within sports? I would say. Um, Jay would like to. You uh, one of his dislikes. He says is lack of diversity and ownership in the NFL. What do you? What do you think to that, Maurice? Is it still a big issue that the the National Football League and sport? generally has to uh, has to um, cover yeah I think it's definitely an issue and the NFL definitely probably needs to take a hard look at how they can remedy that situation and you know maybe cultivate some you know my minority potential owners to see if there's some interest in owning an NFL team I know that a couple of years ago I think the uh, Williams sisters um, had um, had um, ownership in the Miami Dolphins and I mean I, th- I think the key thing is number one identifying people that have the financial capacity to be an NFL owner so it's not like you know it's an opportunity where you can hire somebody based off their skills I mean this is definitely tied to financial capability and folks I mean communities of color who even have an interest in owning an NFL team you know I'm, I know they're out there I mean, there's a lot of celebrities out there. I mean, you know, the Oprah Winfrey's of the world, the Michael Jordan's of the world, Denzel Washington's of the world, Jennifer Lopez's of the world, uh, you know, and, and other communities of color that have the financial wherewithal, but, you know, have they been propositioned to own a team? So I think until we have a full understanding of what the process would look like of identifying, cultivating, and encouraging folks from different communities of color make investments in NFL teams, I think you're going to see, I guess, the status quo of uh, rich white men owning NFL teams until they figure out how to get other communities engaged financially to own the NFL team. 
Mm, very well put. Shelley, where do you sit on the whole lack of diversity uh, of ownership within the NFL and um, and sport in general? I'm, I'm with Maurice. I mean, kudos to the Washington football team. You know, Jason Wright is now on board and, you know, let's not, let's not well, let's be honest. Yeah. Here. He, he's not here. He's not here just because he's a black guy, but he is the best person for the job. Is it, is it important, Shelley, that they get that right balance of, you know, let's make sure these people are right for the job as well. I mean, it's something that I, I feel strongly about. I know Maurice does. Uh, Jay's asked us the question. So where do you, uh, where do you sit on it all, Shelley? Well, Jason Wright is president. He's not, mm. he's not ownership. Owner. Yeah, so true. Let's, Very let's true. make that distinguish, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, get still, that right. We've still got Dan. Um, I, I actually um, had that as one of my top five things. It wasn't necessarily ownership, but it was the Rooney rule. So mm-hmm. it's right up there because we don't have enough diversity in our coaching. Um, we don't have, and that's a horrible rule. You know, they bring in you know, African-Americans into, you know, to interview for jobs, but then they're not hired. So I, I understand the rule was in place for them to come in to interview for the job, but then they don't get it. So these, these white owners are kind of dictating, you know, this rule that they put in place, but then the, they're just, it's just a horrible freaking rule mm. that, I, I'm sure that was put in place to give to make it look like they had a shot, but then they don't. It's just it's horrible, and I I hate the that's one of the things I hate about the NFL because there's not enough diversity. There's not. It, it's perceived like there is, but um, yeah, that was one of my top five things I dislike was yeah. the running rule and. Um, and that's, that's great that, that, uh, one of our, uh, listeners brought that up. Yeah. Chris is a, Chris is a good good friend of mine. He contacts me quite a lot. We took me and Chris talk about the podcast quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, I would love to, I mean, well, one of the rumors was Jay-Z remember Mm. maybe by, by us, I think. um, LeBron James is a part ownership now of Liverpool Football Club over here in the UK. He, oh, really? Yeah, okay. he recently bought a big stake in, uh, I'm sure it's Liverpool, I think, because obviously they're under American ownership. And there's a big thing over here, and I'm not digressing too much, but there's a big thing over here in the UK at the minute that our soccer clubs are getting too many American owners. Uh, there's a rumour that one of them come to a game just before the end of the season and had to ask which one his team was. You know, he didn't even know which jersey his team were wearing. So there's a big... There's a big whole debate going on over here in the UK at the minute about uh, mm-hmm. foreign foreign ownership. I mean, there's not too much foreign ownership within the NFL, is there, Maurice? It's mainly rich, white, American guys at the minute, predominantly, I would say, isn't it? I mean, is that something that you're worried that could creep into the NFL? Foreign ownerships at the minute, like we have Chelsea Football Club owned by a Russian. We have... Uh, we have oh, a God, of, a Russian. We have, yeah, we have a lot of American ownerships. Um, mm. Look at the... Look, at just for your argument's sake, look at the boxing that's going to be going on. The Anthony Joshua, you know, they're taking that to Saudi Arabia all because of the money. Maurice, is that something that worries you that could creep into the NFL? Is, is, is foreign owners taking over, taking over these franchises? Well, I think that with the, the, the exclusive fraternity that is the NFL, and I think there's maybe two women owners that I can think of, maybe three. I think uh, the, the, uh, the wife of Lamar Hunt of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think uh, the, uh, 
uh, Virginia McCloskey with the uh, Chicago Bears. And I know the former uh, owner of the Rams, Georgia Frontieri, I think that's her mm-hmm. name. She owned the team. So um, there's not a lot of women in that um, space. But I think as far as your original question as it relates to foreign influence, that I think that the NFL owners would be will scrutinize who they would allow into that exclusive uh, group of, mm-hmm. of owners. And if a foreign investor investor group or, or, or a foreign person who's wealthy, I mean, he's going to have to dot his I's and cross his T's and so on and so forth. So I, I think part of the challenge with the, at the ownership level, like I think there's a reticence of really opening it up to making it a wild, wild west type of situation. <laughs> as far as who owns those teams and stuff like that. Because again, it's like, it's the individual power of the individual owner, but it's also the collective power of the National Football League and these owners. And, you know, these folks develop personal relationships with one another. So they, they all take part in shepherding the league and moving in a direction that's advantageous for their individual franchise and the league as a whole. So if you were going to be a foreign investor, you would have to share those values with those owners, I would think. Um, if you're going to get an NFL team. yeah, very Well, much. it's literally like a, an exclusive white billionaires club. That's how it's perceived to me. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be that blunt, but it is. And they protect mm-hmm. one another behind the shield. So I'm just right. sorry. It, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I, well, I, I mean it's, it's it's facts, right? So it's not. Yeah, like, you're not saying, Shelley, yeah, you're not yeah. saying anything that none of us, you know, we everyone yeah. knows it. You know, one day maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's a little too early to say that. Yeah. That that probably's coming later on. Jobs for the boys, list, as we but... say over here in the UK. Jobs for yeah. the boys. Um, yeah. Maurice J. Oh, one of his likes about the NFL, which I want to kind of segue on to my next point, is um, he likes the logos of the helmet. Now that might sound insignificant, but with what Washington are going through at the minute, Maurice, I'll come to you with this first. How important is it that we have the right logo? I mean, what I mean by that is if you go through world sport. You went, had the, I'm wearing it now. I have a Redskins logo on my baseball cap. Mm. You look at the Chicago Bulls. Everyone knows the Chicago Bulls logo. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, wherever you are in the world, you will know the Miami Dolphins. Uh, there's, there's so many logos. Manchester United, Liverpool Football Club. How important, no matter what we're called, Maurice, how important that this symbol of our franchise, it's going to last for hundreds of years. How important is it that the Washington football team get this right? I would argue that the, the logo is probably more important than the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I said that is because, again, you know, when I when I was invited to that 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 podcast discussion with Jason Wright, I was emphatic about um, the logo that it had to have a certain iconography to it that speaks to me on an emotional level that's going to motivate me to want to wear that logo and support the team. I mean, and I told him, I said flat out, like, look, I love the Redskins logo. Like, I absolutely loved. Where, as a matter of fact, I would I would seek out uh, merchandise that would have just you know the Native American head, you know, at the center of my hat or on my jackets or T-shirts or whatever, more so than just saying Redskins. That I just really was enamored with it. So we got to get that logo right. So the logo is very very important because again, like you know, if, if I like those logos are are internationally recognizable, right? If mm-hmm. I was to go to you could drop me off in Beijing, China. And I, if I pulled up, 
you know, a, a Green Bay Packers G, somebody would recognize that. If I mm-hmm. put up the Blue Star for the Dallas Cowboys, they would recognize that or the or the Philadelphia Eagles logo or, or a helmet with wings on it, you know, or just a Cleveland Browns helmet. Like if you put that out there, people are going to know what that means. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the bigger challenge for the Washington football team beyond just the name. Like getting the name is easy compared to um, – the logo design, like, I mean, I look at, you know, when I go out to buy tennis shoes, I don't go out to buy tennis shoes. I, I'm going to get a new pair of Nikes. Or when I go to the store, I'm not buying a shirt. I'm going to get a Ralph Lauren shirt, you know, or women, or women say, well, I'm going to get a, uh, a Kate Spade bag, or I'm going to get a Gucci <laughs> bag. I mean, you know, or, or a coach bag, whatever, you know, so. People- I'm going shopping with you, Maurice. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Shelly, we're having a little shopping trip when I'm over. I know. (laughs) He knows his brand. Look at Maurice there. I'm getting a job at Maurice's car lot. So, (laughs) I mean, mean, even where I work work at, you know, the the Acura, um, the logo. So, you know, brands are important because the reason why brands are important because it's not just like the design of it, but it's what, what does the value of those brands communicate? So we have, a, the Washington football team has a big task ahead of it to get it right as far as that logo. Because they, if, they, if they mess up on their logo, people are like, I'm not wearing that. I don't want to no, be No, I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. that Losing that logo was harder for me than I think losing the name. I agree with you, Maurice. Yeah. I think that was yeah. very well put and well said. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, um, yeah, no. I, I think it's mega, mega important. I mean, when I saw that coming from Jay, you know, you don't realize everyone's on about we got to get the name right. We got to get the name right. Yeah, we do. But it's so like Marie said, and you know, it's going to be worldwide. You know, I can wear this cap that I've got on now, and everyone will pretty much know that's the Washington Redskins, former Washington Redskins, mm. now Washington. Yeah, Redskins. I really, really miss we that really, logo. Yeah, um, I, I've got so much. Me and me and Marie spoke about this on a, yeah. a, a previous podcast. I've got so much redskins gear that i'm still going to keep wearing it you know i've got my redskins gear on now i'm proudly wearing my hog farmers um sweatshirt it's you know i'm you're not going to stop wearing redskins gear but it is fundamentally important that if we're called warriors red wolves red tails whatever we are this logo and branding which i know they're still going through the process now they have to get this that's why everyone when they say oh just pick a name hurry up with a name I don't think people sometimes realize how important of the process this is. This is going to be mm. when me, you and Shelly and a lot of our fans are long and gone and our kids' kids are here. Hopefully that logo is still going to is still going to mean something and that name is going to mean something. So they really, really do have to do their due diligence and get this name and logo in right. So, uh, you know, as much as I would love to have a name announced tomorrow, I, I kind of get it, what they're doing and why they're taking their time. And I'm glad they're doing the due diligence this time next season us three could be sitting here and knock on wood we will have a we will have a new name but um just your average fly guy some of his likes maurice ultimate team sport brutality of it watching greatness uh ground and pound and elite defenses uh one of them there uh maurice and shelley watching greatness this really resonated with me i was thinking today you know in in a few years time or whenever we're sitting down with our kids and grandkids we can say that we watched probably the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady play football. Uh, I mean, we've had it in basketball, Maurice. I grew up watching Michael Jordan and the great Chicago Bulls team. How lucky are we right now? And we, you know, we've sat, you know, we've, you've met, we've spoke to people like Joe Theismann and stuff like that. But for me to actually sit down and say, I've seen Tom Brady play live at Wembley. 
how good is it? Like, um, like the, uh, just your fly guy says in his top five, it's, it's so good to see watching greatness. How good is it for us to say that we've seen the likes of Tom Brady and the Mannings of this world play football? I mean, I think that it's extraordinary. I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's the equivalent of asking someone who saw Babe Ruth play baseball, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the early part of the 20th century, or, you know, if you saw uh, Jackie Robinson play baseball in the, 40s and 50s and you know if you um, saw uh, you know Michael Jordan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, you know I mean any you know Muhammad Ali I think any because I think the thing about Tom Brady and Michael Jordan uh, you know players of that caliber you know the Mickey Mantles of the world uh, and I'm you know Serena Williams like these are players that like transcend greatness right like mm -hmm. I mean you have great players like like I could say Peyton Manning is a great quarterback, right? But two Super Bowls to seven, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like you, you, there's no you can't there's no comparison to that. Like I mean, Tom Brady has shattered the standard, right? I remember we talked about how great Joe Montana was, and he won four Super Bowls. And we talked about Terry Bradshaw because he won four Super Bowls. I mean, you know, Brady's plus three. Like I don't. I think the thing about Brady, what I always measure greatness by is like how long will their standard be the standard right and i think that we're looking i mean we may be dead and gone before the next tom <laughs> brady comes on the scene right i don't i don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime i mean that's how great he is yeah no he is i'm pleased to say that i've I, i've seen him live i mean shelly for you um we're talking about the you know watching greatness you know we've got like a, a a tom brady is there anyone else that else stands out for you that you can say in your lifetime doesn't have to be football that you've that you've just seen play the game yeah because i'm i'm not gonna like ride tom brady's <laughs> i didn't uh, think you would <laughs> no no because i really feel like i hate tom brady and i don't feel like i've watched <laughs> greatness because i feel like the, i feel like the leagues helped them out too much i'm gonna be honest um and in the game that he played against us i really feel like officiating was freaking ridiculous yeah i i do and i feel like um his line held us the whole freaking game but it is what it is if y'all want to say he's the greatest of all time that's fine but um and i think he's a crybaby but that's just me um but whatever he can you know wave his rings around all he wants but um the greatest the greatest that i've seen i mean i personally am just proud that i've lived to see our three super bowls in all of our playoff runs so that to me is my what i'm happy to have lived and seen so my team and what they've accomplished so to me and seeing all the players that have you know the art monks the gary clarks you know Doug Williams, what he did, you know, um, that to me is what I am happy that I've lived to see. So I don't care about Tom Brady. Fuck Tom Brady. So <laughs> I honestly don't care. To me, it's my fandom for my team. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I'm I'm hundred percent. I'm just I'm keeping it real. No, so I, really I don't if we, care if we're about talking... Tom Brady. I mean, Maurice, what's the, uh, what's the greatest uh, moment you've had of being a Washington fan? Oh, God. I mean, I, it's got to be Super Bowl twenty two with Doug Williams. I mean, mm -hmm. 
Uh, I mean, I think the first the first Super Bowl does that speak like, how bad the franchise has been leading up to them, Maurice? Because obviously that is your lot. It's your greatest moment. When what year are we talking? Yeah, how many years ago? Are we I mean, that was eighty seven. Oh, I was seven. But I, mean, I was seven years old then, Maurice. Not to make you feel old, my I, friend. Yeah, I mean, like all, I mean, I enjoyed all three Super Bowls. You know, mm-hmm. don't get me yeah. wrong. Every time we yeah, went to we Super are Bowl, old, so it's okay. Yeah. But the, but, the, but but that one was special. I mean, just from a you know just you know being African American and just seeing mm-hmm. him, you know, just basically dispel all the myths about the black quarterback in that Super Bowl, and you know, just like you know, just to paint the picture is that you know, nineteen eighty eight, like it was expected that that John Elway was going to destroy Washington, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I mean, and we were I mean, down. Yeah, and we, we were down by ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were down yeah. ten nothing. So. You know, so like we all had a collective gas. I mean, because like, I don't know if you remember, Andy, but like Doug Williams got injured in that game. He had a hyper. Uh, yeah. 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 I've, I've watched yeah. it back. I've uh, sat and like, watched the whole game. It was not back. looking good. It no. wasn't yeah. looking good for us at no. all. Who yeah. was the backup that day, Maurice? Do you remember? Jay Schrader. Jay. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, that's why it wasn't looking good. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut it down. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. No, because everybody was like, no, Jesus Christ, no, not Jay. <laughs> yeah, Schrader. don't put that fucker in. Yeah. yeah. So, but, I mean, but that was, uh, but, but I will say, like, the, the NFC Championship game um, before that was really, really crazy because uh, Minnesota, we played the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, and uh, our defense was on the field and we had to stop, um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings offense and Dale Green broke up the play and Joe Gibbs is literally on his knees praying. Yeah. On I remember the last that, play. Yeah. Like he is on, yeah. he is on his knees, like in all his, uh, you know, Southern Baptist glory. You know, mm-hmm. praying. Praying. And, and he is white as a ghost on the sideline. Like he has no aggression in him at all. He left it up to the Lord and the Lord answered his prayers. But that was just, but you don't see coaches do that kind of stuff. But that's mm-hmm. how, um, I mean, and that was like classic Gibbs, you know, so just watching that game before we went to the Super Bowl was, uh, was exhilarating. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Some good memories there, guys. Uh, Richard Adams says he's his loves his top five for the NFL are the team colors, uh, the history of the team, the early kickoffs for us over here, the red zone, and watching London games uh, when we have the good teams. His hates are the Philadelphia Eagles, the one fifteen a.m. kickoffs, not having a proper name, not looking after injured players, and a break in the season. Now, two things I wanted to raise. Shelley, we'll start with you on this one. Shelley, mm-hmm. is the NFL offseason too damn long? Well, I... See, now I'm torn on that because the players do need to have some off time with their families Mm -hmm. and they do need, they, yeah, I don't think so because now they've made, you know, they've added games, you know, they've added an extra game. It's, it's tough. I mean, the season's tough. I mean, you think about how difficult the season is just for running backs, just for a running back, right? If you, if you're, if you got your main running back, which mainly, you know, they're trying to rotate running backs in now and take, but if, if one running back is getting the heavy load, right. That's, that's a long season for a running back and that takes a toll on the body, but it's, it's, you know, it's difficult and really tough on these players and they need an off season. They need a long off season, just spend time with their families and, they need to um, 
take care of their bodies, mm-hmm. in my yeah. opinion. So yeah. I don't think, I know it's difficult for the fans. I get it. It's hard on all of us. We want, we want more football. I get it. But, you know, you got to try to look at it from their point of view. They need a life too. So that's, that's just my point of view on it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, other, the other thing too, Andy, you know, just to add on to Shelly's point, like the human body was not meant to play football, right? <laughs> right. When yeah. God, when God, made us he didn't say you know okay now i want you to collide with one another at breakneck speed and then do it again Mm. and then do it again i mean so the fact so like those players gotta have that year of of i mean half a year of rest just to get their bodies prepared for this grueling you know season and now it's even longer because now they've gone from 16 games to 17 games so now they gotta have even more um football that they have to play so i mean of course, we would want to see more football, but I think what I do like about the football season is that when it starts, you get to savor it like like it's a um, like it's a, a great um, steak or a fine wine or anything that you need to savor and enjoy. And, and those games become um, really precious. So, you know, I understand the downside of not having football, but when we do have football, it's an awesome time. Yeah, and they're still working. I mean, let's keep in mind, I mean, they take, what, a a few months really off, but then they're right back into working out. You know, they got got to take care of their bodies, and then they get back into, you know, camp. I mean, it's not as long as we think it is. Yeah, we just see to, on the field, don't we? I mean, they're probably, I've seen, you've seen clips already on the Washington Twitter feed. Of, yeah, so it's really gym, not as you know. long as it, it really is to them, mm. if that makes sense, you yeah. know? So mm. they get they get a little bit of family time really off, off, and then they're right back to work, really, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, working out, getting back to, you know, camp, light, you know, but they, they've really got to keep their bodies back in shape or they're going to get injured. Yeah, no, so, it, that is the thing with the NFL. It's that I tried to, it's like a lot of my friends who don't understand the, the National Football League, don't get me wrong, I would love football all year round. I mean, that's why I watch anything I can find on some channel way at the bottom of the list. If I can find a game of football, I'll watch it. But um, the physicality of the National Football League, like Maurice said, and like you pointed out, Shelley, is is like no other, no other sport, is it, in, in, mm-hmm. in the world? You know what I mean? You know, that's why baseball can play 139 games a season and the NBA can go on for 100, you know, amount. the NFL physically can't do that. It's, it, it, is, it is nigh on impossible. So I get it. I get it. But we all want uh, we all want more football. Uh, Maurice, one of Richard's other points uh, there was not looking after injured players. And that kind of segues something to a, what I, I would, I'd like to get your opinion on. Do the NFL uh, as a sport and as an organization do enough to look after injured players, either while they're in the game or even when they finish the game? I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to speak to Doc Walker and a few other ex-players and Ken Harvey, um, not just on the podcast, off the podcast about this. And, you know, they've spoke very passionately about the, the fact that the league could do more with players once they finish playing. We hear of concussions, we hear of all sorts of injuries. It's uh, not just injuries, financial difficulties that they're getting, because maybe maybe not so much now, because they're probably more looked after. But players back in the day, like in the 70s and 80s, yeah. weren't told yep. to do once they stop playing football. Is it something that the league could look at in your, in your guys' opinion? I think anything that the league can do to make the game safer, uh, be more mindful of players when they're injured, 
uh, innovations in sports medicine and technology, you know, should be explored. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's a violent game. Players are going to get injured. Uh, those injuries are going to impact those teams, uh, you know, chances of winning and losing games. And then depending upon the severity of the injury, it's going to put pressure on a player to get back on the field, you know. So, like, for example, if Patrick Mahomes gets a concussion in the AFC championship, you know, is that is that doctor on the sideline? Is he going to be ready to pull him? He was or, rushed back for the Super Bowl, wasn't he? Right, right. So, exactly. So, to sorry, me, allegedly, like, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. So, you know, wink, wink, nod. So, it's really like a it's really like a, a fine line between player safety and the desire to win, right? And the ultimate consumer, and to make money. <laughs> and to make money, right? Yeah. And the and the ultimate consumer is the fans, right? Like I've I've said on several times that NFL fans have no patience for to build a winning program. Like they want to win now, you know. So that's why you know last season when uh, with Coach Rivera, he understood that, um, and that's why he made the moves he made. You know, as far as trying to win the NFC East, which he did, you know, benching and then ultimately getting rid of Dwayne Haskins, which he did, um, you know, because he understood that winning accelerates that fan loyalty and and injuries always play into a dynamic as far as do we really make the appropriate investment in getting the player healed or are they healed just enough so they can play for this game because you know some players at 70 percent is better than most players at 100 percent. like Aaron Donald at 80 percent is better than like 90% of the defensive linemen in the NFL, <laughs> you know, so they'll take Aaron Donald at 75, 80% if he can play. So yeah. that's, that, that's, so you're always going to have that dynamic with football. That's not going away anyway, anytime soon. And, uh, you know, if you're really concerned about player safety, then we wouldn't have an NFL. Yeah, most definitely. Um, David, can I add to that? Sorry, can yes. That so, sorry, my bad. Go on, Shelly. No, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to add to that. I had that on my list is the or the mistreatment of retirees. And mm -hmm. I think it's clear that the NFL knew a long time ago about um, they were well aware of the harm that the players were facing. And so they agreed to pay um ex-players there was 18,000 ex-players and they paid them 765 million dollars okay and so they had knowledge of the concussion issues you know this was a while ago okay and it's clear that they knew about it all but they didn't have to release that information by because of the settlement but some of the players opted out of the settlement and they're still suing the NFL Mm -hmm. So that's some dirty shit. And it's all around money. It's all because the NFL was raking in this unimaginable money. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, and look what's happened. I mean, because of CTE, we had, we've had players committing suicide, you know, and it took a long ass time to implement those changes in the helmets. Right. Yeah. So that's mistreatment of players for a long time, Andy. Yes. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of suffering that's happened, you know, for, for these retirees and their families and the money was not made. It's, we didn't have those contracts back in the day. 
Mm-hmm. We didn't have these big, huge contracts back in the day. They didn't make the money like the players are nowadays. So, yeah, that really pisses me off. That's one of the things I really hate about the NFL. Yeah. No, so I'm, I just, I'm I just with wanted you. to say that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, if you look back at like the 70s and 80s, obviously I didn't watch any football in the 70s and 80s. I've obviously watched clips of us uh, back in the day. And if you look at the, the players back then, to the way they are looked after now, I still feel we could do more now, but I would like to think that when a Chase Young eventually retires, the amount of the hits that that young man is going to take, hopefully throughout a long NFL career, you would like to think that he, once he leaves the game, you know, he would like, he would be taken care of and obviously more financially advised now, Would I would say is probably better in the NFL. Um, especially at the Washington organization, I'd like to think that these young men are being given sound financial advice. So if you probably look back in the eighties and early nineties, yeah, they weren't earning as much money, but they probably, you know, obviously out there, healthcare is a different issue than we have over here. We get that all, we get that shit for free. You know, yeah, we pay our taxes, but obviously over in the States, if you want to get an operation, that shit costs a lot of money, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and I'd healthcare like, is a lot of money. Yeah. Here. Healthcare is, a, you know, I, I saw something on TikTok. Yes, I know. I'm too old to be watching that shit, but I saw something on there today that like in America, if you need to call an ambulance, it's like, it could be like a thousand dollars to call an ambulance. If I need to call an ambulance, I just dial 999. It's here in 10 minutes and I don't have to pay a dime. So that, that resonates over, uh, into the NFL and you'd like to think now that players um, players are looked after and I'd like to think that moving forward when they leave the game they're going to be better looked after than they were back in the day yeah but, um, it's sad to me it's sad yeah. to me and um, it's unfortunate that it hap- it has happened the way mm. that it did and it all was revolved around money and yeah. it's sad it should have been you know player um safety all the way all the way but but, it wasn't so that's one of the things i hate and dislike about the nfl so yeah uh david on the uh, uk washington facebook group i know i think both of you guys are on it um some of his likes um the event of going to a game, the tailgating, fantasy football, appreciation for defense in the analysis you can find about position and plays. Yeah, he loves the red zone, being able to watch and score plays for your team isn't on, and big busted coverage. Uh, Maurice, just the event of the NFL. I mean, we're in the process of planning a big DC Tweet team meetup for September. David says his, his number one is the event of going to a game and tailgating. Just explain for our UK listeners that might not understand just how big the tailgate is. I've been been very fortunate enough to do tailgating in the states with you a lot of our listeners have been over to the states but then probably a lot of them haven't a lot of them are coming over for the first time with me in september how big a day is the nfl i mean i mean going to an nfl day is an all-day experience so like you have to get to the stadium earlier early so i mean and that's why tailgating is so important because you want to get there early you want to get set up you want to get your tailgate you know you got to cook your food or bring your food and, you know, get your, you know, get your eat on and, you know, get your drink on, whatever alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic beverages you want to drink. The, you, there's the, non-alcoholic beverages, Maurice. I know. They, as they're, What's this they, you, I didn't know they existed. What is this you yeah. speak of, Maurice? Like, yeah, yeah. water and juice and soda. <laughs> yeah. you can I think that's a myth. Jeez, Maurice. I'm learning um, something new every day, Maurice. Yeah. Um, no, but I think what, what the tailgate experience does um, at NFL, games is that it really reinforces that sense of community and family and those bonds of friendship that are tied around supporting a team so you just get like a different type of 
friend experience and fan experience at the games because just the shared camaraderie about supporting your team or shared camaraderie rooting against the team that you're playing and, you know, people wearing the same colors and, you know, in the traditions and everything like that. So um, you, you get all of that at a, um, at a tailgate and attending a game. And like, I really prefer watching the games in person than, you know, watching them on TV. I mean, I like watching them on TV, but, you know, watching a game on TV is like you're just watching a game. But when you go to a game, it's an event, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, even down to doing little things like if you want to go to the NFL shop at the at FedEx Field or whatever stadium you go to, and you can get a, a commemorative game day pin to commemorate the game that you've gone to. It, it, I mean, it really reinforces that sense of experience. And mm-hmm. that is a, an event larger than life. And then, you know, you have marching bands and cheerleaders and, you know, alumni, media. I mean, it's just it's just an overwhelming experience for the senses. Yeah. Shelley, are you off the same uh, with Maurice? I, I've tried to explain to a few of my UK buddies who don't follow the NFL, but, uh, you know, trying to explain to them how uh, a day at FedEx, it, it's, it is an all-day event with the NFL, and a lot of people give me a lot of shit. Oh, you watch a game that lasts 60 minutes, it goes on four hours, blah, 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 blah. But, they, you know, there are a lot of my friends that are now getting it. And as soon as I say to them, like, look, it's an all-day event. And when I met up with Maurice, I think we were outside FedEx, Maurice, weren't we? At like 10.30 in the morning uh, on yeah. that Sunday. Maurice is like, get it for 10.30. Andy I'm like wow game doesn't start till six this is going to be amazing it is just such a an eventful day isn't it Shelley yeah you really do have to get well the traffic getting there can be kind of a pain depending Mm -hmm. on how early you get there um but yeah it it's it brings people together um that was definitely on my list um as far as um whether it's at FedEx whatever stadium you're going to just the camaraderie, like Maurice said, even if you just go to a sports bar and you're watching a game, just, just rivalries. Um, I just love the NFL for bringing, just doing it, just watching football games with people, mm-hmm. even if you're having people over at your house, even, yeah. um, you know, just bringing people together, even on Twitter, even if you're watching the game at your house and you're, you know, I can watch the game at my house and I'm still watching it with people on Twitter. So it's, it brings people together. We have a community on Twitter and we're watching the game together live, you know, and game day tweeting Twitter. is one of the yeah. best things. ever. Yeah, it is the best. But <laughs> as far as at FedEx, I mean, I'm happy to be getting back to the games and I'm excited to see everybody. But it is an all day thing. Tailgating is the is the funnest part to me than actually going in the stadium and watching the game because normally i don't have the best seats but yeah it um, doesn't end after the game does it maurice we were out in the parking lot for about four hours drinking more beer maurice is also we were going back to the hotel maurice is like no my friend's got a tailgate going on out so i'm like hang on a minute this guy is on after the game four hours later i'm still sitting in the sunshine at fedex with people handing me beers left right and center i was like this is yeah this but is you're walking by and people's handing you food <laughs> beer people you don't yeah. know we're on the back of a like, pickup truck happy yeah maurice yeah. were you on the back of the pickup truck going to the station do you remember that yeah so shelly we were sitting outside fedex and i can't remember who it was and we were like how are we getting back to the uh, metro tim. station tim he was like just yeah. jump literally jump on the back of this pickup truck We'd all had about God knows how many beers. I'm like, hang on a minute. We're just going to sit. There's loads of us. I'm talking probably about eight, nine of us chucked into the back of this pickup truck, Shelly. And this guy was like, yeah, I'll drive you down to the metro station. I was like, this is incredible. This is like, this has never happened here. What we do in Fredericksburg all the time, Mm. jumping in back of, 
pickup truck. Yeah, so. me and Mar- I was just yeah. sitting in the back of this pickup truck, just quite drunk by then because I'd been drinking. Me and Maurice had probably been drinking. No, not you, Andy. No, no. <laughs> a little bit tipsy, shall we say. But yeah, it was just part of the whole experience. I mean, it's such a such a good thing as a, an English guy going over to experience what you guys get to do every single every yeah single i can't wait till september we're yeah, gonna have a blast we are gonna have a blast uh, yeah. chris chris plant a uh, good listener to the uh to the podcast last few before we get on to some uh our next topics uh he said he likes the sport itself game days are social events which we've touched on yeah uh, fans generally not requ- uh, required to be separated in stadiums and beers in seats we have over here in the uk where our fans are segregated so home supporters visiting supporters visiting supporters just chucked in a corner probably two or three thousand you're not allowed to drink beer in your seat at football games you can at rugby what? over at soccer games you're not allowed to drink beer in your seat you can go at half time and get a beer but you're not allowed them in your seats while watching the game that is a big no-no over here um chris is dislikes- They're probably afraid you all are gonna fight all the time yeah well there is yeah. unfortunately there is still some of that element over here in uk soccer <laughs> um chris's dislikes off season too long which, which you've touched on and um, resale of tickets at stupid prices and one shelly i wanted you to get on with you first is uh merchandise uh prices are generally too high and the and the lack of merchandise i mean i've seen you guys i've seen you on twitter recently that the, the women's merchandise is is that something that you guys i've spoke to someone within the washington organization we all know i had a rant a couple of weeks ago on twitter about the fanatics and i messaged someone very high up in well washington. i know you're upset with the shipping yeah the shipping is yeah, ridiculous. The I, sp- I, I think i speak yeah. for every uk fan when i say we get ripped off we're we're lucky yeah. enough over here we have a company who we can now use who take care of that for us but it's still a lot of money you have to pay a membership and then yeah to five star but um yeah i know we're in the you know we're in a um in between stage with our rebrand and we're like the washington football team you know temporarily but we could still do better with our uh, merchandise and marketing of it it's it's horrendous what we're being offered Mm-hmm. And um, especially on the on the female side, it's just horrendous. And um, I want better. We deserve better, especially for the prices that we're being charged. And I was really hoping to be chosen under, you know, the fan ambassador for that particular Keith, category. Keith, Keith, Keith. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what category Keith was chosen for. Probably the female I, one. I wanted fashion. Um, because I'm very, very, uh, um, passionate for this. Um, I want our fans looking, you know, we deserve swag. We deserve to walk around with pride and, um, I just really want, you know, our logo and our team, you know, fashion and merchandise to look really good. Mm -hmm. And we have some really good looking fans and, yeah we do and we deserve to have really good looking you know fashion and merchandise to wear so i think i really hope to hear from them but i don't think i will you will shelly positive thinking my friend positive thinking. yeah but that's okay i i hope that i know somebody involved so i can kind of yeah. get a little bit of inside track information and where yeah, it's headed, let's, let's get on to jason jason i know you listen to this podcast just get i know get jason, in there. Come on, I, I just i just am very passionate about it and so yeah whatever happens i just i'm i just trust the process and trust we'll pray on process. it so trust yeah. the process trust the process maurice you're a big swag guy aren't you do you think the um 
NFL rip fans off with uh, with swag. I know you've got a shed load of Washington Redskins gear. Do you think it is time that the NFL, like Shelley said earlier, it's all about the money? And I've I've said many a times. I think us UK guys get our pants pulled down and smacked royally on the ass when it comes to money and shipping. Uh, yeah, they need to ease up on that. Yeah, uh, you're a big swag guy, Maurice. Do you think? Uh, do you think that the, the the Washington fans and the NFL fans are getting ripped off with merchandise? I mean, I don't feel like I'm getting ripped off, but that's just me. I mean, you get what you pay for. You know? So I know like stuff probably could be less expensive and stuff like that. But I mean, I like to look official, you know, when I'm wearing my gear. So like I like, you know, officially licensed NFL gear. So I find the prices to be, you know, respectable and everything like that. What? I, like, you know, some, I mean, some stuff I'm not really? going to buy. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, but I mean, the stuff that I buy, like I normally buy like jackets or long sleeve t-shirts and hats and stuff like that. So typically like those shirts are going to be anywhere between 30 to $40. The hat's going to be between 30 to $35. So that's not something that really. See, I don't begrudge paying $30. It's when I have to pay 65 pounds shipping. Yeah. See, that's, that's the killer. For, <laughs> see, that's the killer for you because of the, of, you know, shipping it from the States over overseas. Mm. Um, to, to I can assure our UK listeners, they, the Washington football yeah. team, especially, um, he, actually, he probably won't mind if I mentioned it. I spoke to yeah. Jason Wright about it uh, privately, and he said it is part of the rebranding process that they mm. want to recognize fans all over the world, and especially like mm. us. And in could be, I know we have listeners in Spain and Germany, you know, they, that is something he is looking and his team are looking at mm. doing is is sorting out the shipping shipping to Europe. So I, I for one, Maurice, hope it, hope it gets out. Don't get me wrong, I'll be bringing an extra yeah. suit case with me in september and i'll be bringing back a bucket load of uh merchandise but, uh, and i've got you know i've got good friends like you guys out there too. Uh, last one here guys before we uh before we wrap up uh scott hartley says on his top five uh meeting new people through platforms and podcasts which we have, which we've covered i think that's amazing the razzmatazz of the game day which we've got into the draft um he loves he loves uh the draft the hard hits the top catches the sacks the action is full on uh, how you can look at Pacific, uh, the specifics of plays and positions and coaching, uh, the uniqueness, it's different, it's growing, but people still don't understand why we love the game and make it uh, in the UK stand out. I relish three hours to switch off on time on Sunday. I mean, Scott, your top five there are pretty much my top five. I love everything that you said there, you know, the uniqueness of the NFL, the fact that I get to sit down on a Sunday, like Shirley and Marie said, live tweet, get to interact with my what I class as my friends now uh, and the community that we've got in the, uh, in the podcast world and the Twitter world. Uh, I, I think that's amazing. Scott's five uh, worst things he doesn't like about the NFL. Time differences, any late night games are a killer. Idea to that. Merchandise cost, we've covered that. UK fan recognition isn't a thing most teams has. That's quite interesting, actually. I mean, I only see it from the Washington side of things. Marie Shelley, do you get a sense of, obviously, you've got friends that aren't Washington fans. Are they as well internationally supported as the Washington football team? I think some fan base, I think some fan bases are, but it seems like that there's more of a concerted effort to interface with our UK fans uh, than maybe some other teams are. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what their efforts are and everything like that, but I mean, I don't hear about, you know, I don't see, I don't hear from other UK fans saying that they have like access to their teams like Washington fans have to mm. the team. Yeah, so, I'm not aware either. Yeah, yeah. one of the things I get still quite, even now guys, I still get it, not as maybe as not as much as when I first started the podcast is the classic line I get is, oh, I didn't know the NFL was popular in the UK. I'm like, where have you been? Wembley Stadium sells out three games with 80,000 people 
mm-hmm. in the seats you know mm-hmm. you've got people like me uh, the podcast game in the UK is really strong I listen to many a podcast that isn't revolving around Washington it's just revolving around the UK fandom and I've got a lot of friends my good friend Stuart mm-hmm. Love does many a podcast covering the NFL so it, it, it really really is is the global game but yeah it always um it always baffles me when people say um you know oh, well I, I knew know. it was popular over there I had a friend that they were transferred over there to work in London and so I knew because she went to one of the London games she's a big Chicago Bears fan and she went to one of the games there so I knew it was popular over there because it was very crowded mm. but yeah. other than do the a, a specific team other than ours you know yeah the popularity I'm, I'm I don't know yeah um guys last one uh, i used to send it in to me jopper road says uh he's just put negatives uh teams don't returning kicks stoppages are too many flags uh overtime when winning the flip of a coin redskins name change and the jackie was always getting a london game give us our own london team uh just briefly maurice is the uh, what can we do to see better officiating in the nfl i mean it always seems that washington oh it seems that washington get picked on a hell of a lot is it something that the league really do need to look at i mean some of the penalties that get given in the national football league and obviously we can only go on what we see on a sunday with washington they are absolutely ridiculous what can the league do in general to get the officiating better with all the technology we've got going on in the world don't get me wrong, i don't want mega technology in the game because that takes away from that us being in a bar afterwards talking about that moment oh this shouldn't have happened that shouldn't have happened what can the nfl do though to make the officiating better i think that they need to hire officials who don't want to make themselves you know household names with star attraction yeah i mean because mm. i mean again like there are going to be penalties and especially when your team is called for a penalty you're never going to like it and everything but i think that you know, you need to think about, because here's the thing, you can call a holding penalty every down on somebody. Somebody's holding somebody. So it's it's so um, subjective when they make those calls. It's crazy. But again, it's also how egregious the hold is. So I think that, you know, I don't know how you mitigate um, penalties in the NFL like that, because different referees have different values that one referee may let something go, another referee, no, I'm going to call it every time. You know, some people are more stickler about the rules than others. Some people think that, you know, having a cleaner game protects the integrity of the NFL, whereas some refs may say, no, let them play it out because um, fans want to see the violence of the game and stuff like that. So, but that's something that, the, you know, the, the owners and, you know, the, uh, you know, the team presidents and the people that are on the player competition committee have to look at as far as trying to scale back the penalties and stuff like that. I think anything that, protects players from getting serious injuries is legit but i think like the ticky tack holding calls mm. you know every you know every play we, you put a team in like a third and 30 situation like i mean when you have penalties where like you know teams like on a third and two and then they get a holding penalty then they get a false start penalty then the next thing you know like you went from a third and two to a third and 20 and then when you go to convert mm-hmm. the third down um you it's it's down and you're off the field and you kick the team so um i think those situations you probably need a little bit more oversight from the league and everything like that but i think the league is constantly trying to you know improve the game and improve referee um play is definitely a critical part of seeing a cleaner faster more engaging product on the field 
Yeah, I mean, Shelley, I know you're not a fan of uh, the officiating in the NFL. There is nothing worse than scoring a touchdown and then turning your head and seeing a little yellow flag sitting on the turf. What would you? Uh, what do you? What would you do to make it better, Shelley? I hate the officiating. <laughs> I hate it. Um, it's not consistent at all. When it's completely one-sided, something's up, and then you know, I it's just it's not consistent. And something needs to be done. I don't think the I I have to disagree with Maurice. I don't think the NFL is doing enough. I think now they have they have their own um, website where they go on and they try to justify their bad officiating. So I go on there and I'm like, it was a stupid ass call, and now you're trying to justify it, you know, on your stupid ass website. So. No, they need to get all of them together in one room and train them all the same way because that's not happening. You know, it's too many bad calls and it's, it's like Maurice said, it's up for interpretation. No, train them all the same ass way because it's just gotten so out of hand and so bad. And I just think they need to get it under control mm-hmm. really quick because it's getting so bad that people are getting so frustrated that they're starting to question if games are legitimately being fixed. That's how bad it's getting. Mm. So if they don't get it handled, um, I mean, I, I'm starting to question games. Like, honestly, you wow. can't go a whole game and not call something and then all of a sudden you decide to call something to to legitimately make a difference in the game to go i mean when ryan kerrigan comes back as an eagle if he doesn't get called for holding jesus christ like he did every nearly a lot of plays when he played for washington i may lose my shit like i mean my thing is like if you're like chop blocking and it's clearly chop blocking and everything like that that needs to be called right if it's a holding penalty and like you in the offensive line's got like two big handfuls of jersey and then he takes the guy in the ground, you need to call that. But if it's like a grass hold and release type of thing, you don't need to be calling that kind of stuff. Because again, you know, these uh, like I use the offensive line, defensive linemen, like like these defensive linemen that are coming out, they're so fast and they're so strong. Like if the linemen don't get any kind of, you know, grabbing of any kind of material, that those guys will blow past them every time. So it's, it's a delicate, like Kelly said, it's a delicate balance of what they're calling and what they're not calling and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. and everybody's bringing their own value system in there. So I don't know how you make it uniform. You can, I think you need to try, but I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I think they enough. need to get everybody in one freaking room and train them together because this shit is not right. I mean, something's really fundamentally broken in the officiating crews in, to me because i don't know the website their their little uh twitter thing where they're trying to justify their calls and trying to explain shit no it's still bad calls so that's it i, I don't know yeah well let's hope they sort that's this. My opinion. yeah i'm kind of with you shelly i lose my shit and i just every sunday on one more thing my one of my major, major, major dislikes is Roger Goodell, and I think that's just self-explanatory. So I'll just leave it at that. It's booed out the building every draft, so that speaks for yeah, itself. Yeah, so <laughs> speaks for itself. Maurice, just a quick funny one. Chris Power put uh, his dislike. He's referring to the Super Bowl champions as world champions, as the world championship. 
It's only in America. Why do you call it the World Championship? Because we're Americans and we're arrogant. Yeah. That, that is the, that is a perfect way to end this uh, segment, uh, Marie. Yeah, pretty much. FYI, I didn't say that. By the way, can I just throw that out there to all my good friends in America, guys? Just before we um, assholes. just before we wrap up, obviously, I didn't have you guys with me on Friday. Uh, Dan Snyder gave a, a gave a, a a very good interview on the fly on the on the streets, Maurice and Shelley, um, about the Washington football team potentially getting. Well, we are going to be getting a new home. How impressed have you? I, I'm Shelly. I'm going to come to you second because I know that you're not the biggest. <laughs> I, 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 as soon as I'm, as soon as this question's coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, "Oh shit!" I should just go to Maurice first. Maurice, Dan Snyder. I thought Shelly's going to hate me for it. I thought he spoke very well and about the about the new stadium. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he did a good job. I mean, you know, Dan Snyder. I mean, he. I think Dan Snyder wants what's best for the team. I, I mean, that always have gone about it the right way and have rubbed some people the wrong way, uh, namely the person who's going to speak after me. Um, but, <laughs> That's why I went to um, you first. <laughs> you know, but again, I think anything, I mean, I mean, I, th- I like the fact that he's visiting um, venues like LA as far as getting ideas of what the, uh, the, the new stadium will be for Washington. And uh, I think that's exciting because I, like I said, and I was on another session with the team and I said that, when you build this new stadium, it, it can't be just a football stadium. It needs to be a multi-event, uh, you know, stadium where you can have Final Fours, college football championships, concerts, potentially an opening ceremony for an Olympic Games. If we want to make a bid for an Olympic Games, you know, where you can generate, you know, multiple streams of revenue through different mm, events. That's a good point. Yeah, you've got the FIFA World Cup so, in a few years as well. After yeah, absolutely, absolutely, you've got the FIFA World Cup, um, Shelley. Yeah. Did Dan talk? I I mean, he looked good without his glasses, but I thought Jason really spoke very well about the new stadium and them looking for a new stadium. I thought Jason would it handled himself very well as always. I just love Jason so much. Shelly, you can't bring yourself to say it, can you? (laughs) Well, he didn't say Happy Thanksgiving, (laughs) so that was good. (laughs) I mean. Oh. Okay, Shelly, I thought Dan spoke. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I thought he spoke very well. It was on the fly. It wasn't uh, a podium. He probably, you know, fair play to him for stopping and talking. It was good. Uh, like we said, we had Scott on with us on Friday, so it was good. No, to, him and Jason him were and, and, okay. Him and Jason were very good together. There. Okay, there you go. That's. I think that is go. that is all we are going to get out of Shelly regarding Dan Snyder. But um, and I love Jason Wright. We all love Jason, right? Apart from the yes. fact he supports Liverpool, but hey, you could, we can't all be brilliant. But uh, Maurice, thank you so much, my friend. It is good to have you back with us. Um, always a thank pleasure you. to talk football with you, my friend. Uh, Shelley, always yes. a pleasure to talk football with you, my dear. We shall be same back. here, same, we my friend. Shall be back on Friday, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this a uh, little bit of a different uh, DC Tweet Team podcast. But I have been your host, Andy Burrows. That has been the amazing Maurice Hawkins and Shelley Jordan. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe.